Let me tell you what happened yesterday. I was in the grocery store minding my business by the citrus. I needed three lemons. You remember that damn robot? Well, Amy's minding her business and and selecting, you know, the optimal lemon to take home. And I see the robot approaching. And I'm like, don't make eye contact, Amy. Don't make eye contact because it, it, it's just, it, the thing creeps me out. So I keep my head down. I'm hoping it's going to make a sharp right and go into the pastry section. It doesn't. It approaches. It approaches and it stops this time. Now, normally we have a little kind of standoff are you going right? Are you going left? We duck and dodge each other, and then we go on our merry way. This time, he stops. Yes, that's correct. It's a he in my world. He stops. He stops inches from me, and he's just watching me. Now, we need to have a conversation about this because a couple things. Number one, I'm no mask Nazi. But that motherfucker was not wearing a mask and he was inches from me. So you need to step six fucking feet back, sir. The other thing I take issue with is who is driving this robot? Do we have a preteen little boy who is that perverted? He needs to watch me pick up and squeeze lemons while I'm grocery shopping in the middle of a Monday afternoon? Apparently so. That thing did not move. I picked up all my lemons, all three. Did it take me a second? Yes, because I only needed three and I wanted to make sure they were perfect. And then I squeezed past the robot to finish my shopping. I am disturbed by this robot. I would like to know what happened to old school security. What happened to normal security cams that just are placed in the lights or, you know, the corners of the building. Why do we need a Roomba robot filming our every move? Why does he stalk me every time? There's not a fat chance in hell I can walk into the grocery store and not meet up with that robot. He finds me every single time. That that's that's creepier than old man neighbor stalking my ass. And, that, and he doesn't even do that good of a job. He stalks me through his people. This one, I don't know what kind of sensor he's got on me or the, or the shopping cart or whatever's going on. He tracks my ass down in the store. And, you know, I, 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 I've played this out. <laughs> I've, play, I've played this out. I, I've thought about complaining. <laughs> I'm not one to complain about much, but I have considered taking this to the customer service desk, but this is how I see it playing out. Hi, how are you, ma'am? What can we help you with today? Well, I have a a slight complaint about your security robot that you've got roaming around the store. Oh, yeah, that's that's Fred. What what is your complaint with Fred? Fred, huh? Fred. Um so Fred's a pervert. Uh, oh, okay. Well, what exactly did 
Fred do? Uh, Fred? Fred stared me down while I was picking out my lemons. Well, ma'am, um, Fred is, is trained to drive around the store and keep an eye on the shoppers, right? Fred was keeping too many eyes on me picking out my lemons. Well, what exactly happened? I was feeling the lemons. Oh, okay. Well, how exactly were you feeling the lemon? You need a description on how I was feeling the lemons? I was picking up the lemons. I was squeezing them. I was looking at them to make sure they were plump and juicy and 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 what I wanted to take home with me. Okay, well, ma'am, um, you obviously were doing something to the lemons that alerted Fred that it was it was something he needed to keep an eye on. Or, or, you know, I, I hear you out, but I've thought about this too, and I'm thinking, or Fred is a pervert. Okay, well, ma'am, you know what? Why don't you come over here? We're going to call the store manager to come talk to you. And then basically what happens next is they put me in a straitjacket and they pull me out of the store. If you ever happen to turn on the news one day and you see the headline, Woman Beats Robot with Her Purse, I want you to just turn off the TV or the radio because it's me. It's me. So we've gotten a lot of snow here in New Jersey, and the other day I went outside in the evening to clear off some snow on my car, start up the car, let it warm up, and, and then head back inside. So I'm walking out, and I timed this all wrong, y'all. I, I really... I. I have such freedom in my schedule, and I'm very fortunate that way. I could do anything at any time of day. So I go to the grocery store at random times, Monday afternoons, or whenever. Whenever I deem it necessary because I've run out of important things. I don't have to schedule it like a lot of other people who might be in a 9-to-5. I timed this all wrong. I went out at the hour that everybody kind of gets out of work. So there were other people out there clearing off their cars. Normally I time it to where I'm all alone in the parking lot and I kind of like it that way. Like I wouldn't call myself a loner because I'm really not a loner. I just, I enjoy being alone in, in, in a lot of the things I do. I've learned to really love my own company and enjoy myself. I'm sure you can see that the entire podcast is me talking to myself. For fuck's sake. <laughs> I went out and the dude parked right next to me happened to be out cleaning his car off too. And I'm thinking, ooh, mm, should I just turn back around and walk back in and like wait? And I, I have made it, you know, a priority to just do what I'm going to do when I'm going to do it and not base it about base it around other people. So that wasn't going to happen. So I confidently walked out. Uh, he didn't seem or kind of feel friendly because normally I talk to strangers. I do. That's just who I am. But I think his girlfriend or wife 
was out there too because there was I don't know who she is to him but she was parked like two cars away from him and she was also clearing things off and then they would come and talk to each other and trade tools like he had a shovel and she had the brush for the car kind of thing so I just minded my business I went to my car and I was very respectful you know he I'm backed in he's pulled in forward so my driver's side door was on the same side of, as his driver's side door, and I keep my my snow brush thingy, you know what I'm talking about, that thing, scraper, whatever. I keep it behind the driver's seat, and I wasn't going to open that car door because he was kind of, you know, in that area, and I didn't want to have to be like, excuse me, and then have him watch, you know, intensely as I open my door to make sure I don't hit his car, which I never do, but everybody seems to hit my car. So I crawled through the back seat. <laughs> yeah, that's correct. I went in, I went on the other side of the car and I crawled through to grab it real discreetly uh, and start cleaning off my car. And I, I swear, it was just like a whole awkward thing because he was shoveling around his car and not for nothing, but dude couldn't even, you know, have it in him to, to shovel the four inches that were next to my driver's side door. He just, he shoveled right up around his car and left four inches of snow next to my car right in between us and I'm like I would I'm just a nice person if I had a shovel which I don't I would have done that I used my foot if he wasn't out there I would have cleaned the whole thing with my foot and I would have done it for his side as well just because there wasn't much space between our cars then he's shoveling out in front of his car and he sees me sitting in my car and my I don't need anyone to help me clear snow off. I'm a big girl and I take care of myself just fine. But I see this guy with a shovel. He's going again right up on the line and doesn't even have it in him to shovel like a little in front of my car or offer or anything. He keeps looking at me. And, and then shoveling his, like, four inches around his car. And I'm like, you know what? Fuck you. <laughs> Fuck you. I put my car in drive while he's shoveling his four inches. And I just go, you know, drive, reverse, drive, reverse, drive, reverse, and make my tire marks the way I do. Get out of my car. I'm like, you know what? I don't care anymore if you're here. I'm going to get out on this side of the car. I'm not going to tiptoe around you because you don't seem like a nice, friendly person to me. If I had a nice big shovel like you do, I'd be shoveling in front of all these cars because that's just who I am. But clearly, we are not made of the same cloth. So I'm going to do it my ghetto-ass way, and then I'm going to get out with my nice, handy-dandy foot. Mind you, not wearing a snow boot. Don't have snow boots still. And start clearing away anything around my tires, minding my business. I'm blasting all about the Benjamins <laughs> in my car. Yo, white girl shit. The audacity you have to have to be one person in a parking lot with a shovel and not even extend yourself to the person parked right next to you. That's 
some self-centered BS. That's what that is. And and the reason I say that is because the first year I lived here, this was years ago, the very first year, the first time it snowed, I was out and I'm minding my business, cleaning my car off, and some random neighbor of mine, like a guy around my age, came over and just started, he started climbing on my car and helping me clear it off. He didn't ask. He barely said two words to me. I was like, oh my God, thank you so much. You're so nice. Even my maintenance man, who's my friend, had watched my Instagram story of one of the last snowfalls and messaged me and said, hey, do you need help? Like there are good people and there are people that park next to you who have shovels who will leave four inches because I wanted the four inches there. Like, could you imagine? Like, that's the thought process. Maybe, maybe she doesn't want me. Like there are things where you mind your business and there are things where you don't. It's just kind of common sense. Do you, did you think I wanted to keep the four inches of snow right next to my driver's door? Did you think that through at all? Because Four extra inches, and I'm not exaggerating, legitimately four extra inches. Like, I can't open my driver's side door too much, and neither can he. And that's not my fault. He parked very close to the line, not me. Wasn't me. Wasn't me. He's the one with the shovel. I knew it the minute I walked out. This This guy doesn't seem too friendly. Clearly he's not. If you have a shovel in your car... And you're in a parking lot full of people and you see a girl or guy, I don't care who, you see somebody clearing their car, isn't it just neighborly to be like, hey, you need some help? If the old man was out there, I'd be like, hey, you need some help? If I saw him struggling or suffering or we were parked right next to each other, I would do my best to make it easier for him because that's what good people do. I mean... Not for nothing, but people who who keep shovels in their car and leave four inches next to the car parked next to them belong with the security robots of the world. It would actually be an amazing plot twist if dude with shovel was guy who drives grocery store robot. Anyway, I want to talk today a little bit about healthy and unhealthy attachments, you know, and, and kind of other words we can we can interchange and, and use in this conversation is codependence, uh, is enmeshment, is anxious attachment, things like that. A lot of those words you guys will throw at me in my DMs or comment section. And there, yes, if you get you know, like a diagnostic book, right? And you're looking for a label, they're all going to have different descriptions. In Amy world, when Amy's looking at things holistically and connecting all of these different areas of your life and finding the root cause of things, they're all very similar. I actually think that it makes it so much more complicated when you place different labels on every single thing because you make them all separate. Now, are they slightly separate? Yes, but are they all interwoven and interconnected? A hundred percent. So I was having a long conversation with B the other night, and we got to talking about uh, when people use 
the whole we talk every day, whether it's friendship, family relationships, romantic relationships, when they use the we talk every day as a gauge for what kind of relationship that is. Now, before you start to jump to conclusions about where this conversation is going to go, I'm not saying one way is right and one way is wrong. I'm saying there are people like myself, I've once been one of these people, who would gauge the, the status of a relationship, like how close we are, how much the person likes me, off of how often they talk to me. And that is not a good gauge. That's not an accurate gauge. And I, so we, we had this, we had this whole fascinating two and a half hours on the phone conversation, probably until like midnight a couple of nights ago, uh, about this because it, it just, it's something that I've done. And I've listened to so many people I talk to get upset too. And I've, I can relate because I have been one of those people. I've been there. Uh, get upset too when, when, they, when somebody doesn't talk to them every day. Now, so here's the thing, okay? I've talked briefly. I don't get into it heavily. But I've talked briefly about how I've been in, in abusive relationships in the past. And uh. I have never been somebody who needs to talk to anyone every day. I just said it earlier. I'm very self-sufficient. I'm very independent and not in an unhealthy way. I like my people. I just like quality over quantity, which actually has become a heavy theme for me since the new year, like a heavy focus on quality versus quantity in all areas of my life. So I've never been someone. I actually get irritated (laughs) <laughs> when when somebody is needing to talk to me every day and and you can feel that that difference between a need and like they actually have something to say to you like there are times where I will talk to people that work for me every day because it's work related and I need to talk to them right there's something that needs to be communicated and we we have to get on the phone and have a conversation But to force a conversation every day is something that really makes me cringe and irritates me. And I've had people in my life force conversations with me and I have I have felt myself resist those people, even if they're being nice, like even if they're just like, hi, I love you. I'm like, leave me alone, not because I don't love them. And this is the part that our brains kind of skip over, right? Not because I don't love them and not because I don't care about them, but because I can feel you're needing like reciprocation and it's not going to be authentic. It's not going to be genuine because you only said it because you're needing something in return. I'll say it to you when I feel it and I want to say it. Ugh, it's, it's so fascinating. So, so I used to be somebody. And, and and I was in this conversation with B. Um, we were revisiting that and and where I was back then. And what what we kind of like figured out was that I was not needing it because it was authentically coming from within me. Right? It wasn't a desire of mine to need to talk to anybody every day. I had been in relationships where. 
I was doing my thing. I was living my life. I was working. I was spending time with friends and family. And that individual that I happened to be with, these happened to be the unhealthy, abusive relationships I was in, there seemed to be a pattern amongst them, right? And that pattern was they were deeply insecure and needy. And I didn't know that at the time. Now I know that, but I didn't know that then while I was in it. And and so they would get angry if they hadn't talked to me in a day or two, and they would come at me in a very passive-aggressive sort of way, like, hi, I'm alive. And I'm like, I know. What's up? I talk when I have something to say. I talk when there's actually something to talk about. I I don't need to know your whereabouts 24-7. And, and I'm not going to say that somebody needing to know your whereabouts fits into one unhealthy box because it's context-based. In my unhealthy past relationships, the people needing to know my whereabouts 24-7 were people who were extremely controlling and and needed that to feel secure in the relationship because there really wasn't a solid, healthy foundation to that relationship. So it was very superficial stuff that was going to keep them feeling safe. And then you inadvertently, when you're on the receiving end of that, you start to take that on and believe that there's something wrong with you when you're when you're on the receiving end, especially when you're not aware in those moments. I was not aware in those moments. And so them saying, like, you're not putting in an effort because I haven't heard from you. And I'm thinking, what do you mean I don't put in an effort? Like, I talked to you the other day on the phone and I just saw you this weekend. What, what are you talking about? Because their gauge of effort was like touch base and check in every day because that's the only security I feel outside of me, which it's not my responsibility to make you feel secure. You have to feel secure with yourself. And then a healthy relationship takes time to develop. And you like if you think about any of your friends or family members, some of them, if you're interacting with them or you have something to say, you might talk to every day. But then there's other people, like if I say to you guys, I talk to my brother every day, you're going to think we're really, really close. I'm close with my brother, but we don't actually talk. Like it's not phone conversation. It's not text message. We're not, we're not speaking words. We're sending each other funny shit online. So sometimes there's words. Sometimes I say stuff. Sometimes he says stuff. But it's, it's just funny meme, funny meme, funny video, whatever, and then we just react to them. That's our interaction every day. Is it necessary? It's just we find something and we think of the other person and we send it. And the same with my sister. I will talk to my sister on the phone, you know, once a week. When we have something we need to talk about, when we need to update each other on something, when we have a question, when we need support. Same with my friends, right? So when I when I think about those healthy relationships, I go, I love all of these people, like, like with all of my being. So, but the amount of time I need to speak to them, like I don't talk to B every day, and I'm very close to B. I don't I don't need to talk to her every day. I call her when I have something to say, or I see her when I go to get a massage. <laughs> so it's it, it's it's an interesting. So, so let's go into the unhealthy aspects of this a little bit more. 
So if you're a child and your needs are not being met, well, you're a child. You can't really supply your own needs. You don't have the the ability to know how to do that quite yet. That's the parent or guardian's job. A lot of children grow up in environments where they are neglected in some physical, mental, emotional capacity. If your needs are not being met, what the child finds a way to do is get the need met because the need needs to be met, right? Like a baby is hungry, it cries. A baby needs a diaper change, it cries. <laughs> like that is really kind of the, the you know, the, the way a, a baby works. Then you get a little bit older and a child learns how to talk and they can ask for things. But if the adult is dysregulated or can't take care of themselves, has some sort of addiction, is not present with them, whatever the situation is, those are those adverse childhood environments that I've touched on and I will definitely get heavily into soon. If that's the case, if you're in an adverse environment and your needs are not being met, you you find a way to get the need met. And so that's that conditioning aspect that I talk about during childhood. You start to get conditioned based off of what you see your parents doing or not doing. If I see, like for me growing up, I knew my, my parents are good people. They, they're good people. Were they wounded children? Yes. Did they work through a lot of that? No. No, like a lot of your parents didn't. They didn't know that. They did the best they could. My mother and father both worked full time. My mom worked in the hospital. She, she, she gave a lot during the day to patients in need. And then she came home and she didn't have the capacity to give much more, but tried to. And is that to her fault? Yeah, because self-care is important if you choose a career where you're giving all day like myself. That's why my schedule is so flexible and I'm fortunate on that end because I learned the hard way. Burnout is real. When you're listening to people's problems all day and and you like it and you enjoy it and you want to support them, you got to do double time on the back end to make sure you are healthy and have the ability to withstand that, right? She didn't do that because that wasn't as that wasn't set as an example. There was no precedent set in her upbringing to show her how to care for herself in that capacity. She took care of herself the way her mother took care of herself. And my Nana took care of herself with basic needs and really kind of like stretched it. Like my grandma would walk around in ripped up kids until you pointed it out and said, let's buy you a new pair of shoes. She will wear that shit into the ground and then replace it. Were there other things she was kind of on top of? Like, like grandma always had, Nana always had fresh cold cuts in her fridge. She's the only person to this day swear on my life, I'm getting off subject here, but just need to add this in, that I would allow to make me like a sandwich. I'm not a big sandwich person. Uh, I lived for hers. So with that said, that's how they learn it. So you kind of have a bigger picture, right? My mom did the best she could with what she was shown and taught. And she obviously like whatever blanks she filled in, in, in her adult years, Obviously, we're not enough to make it so it was a healthy environment for her children. And, and, and again, she wasn't aware of that at the time. 
So I would be sitting and trying to do homework and I'd be like, mom, can you help me? Sure, I can help you. And she'd come over and then she'd start to help me and then the phone would ring and she'd run and she'd answer the phone. She was always going wherever she was needed. That was kind of her driving force. And so as a child, of course, mom works full time and mom just took a phone call over helping me when I asked her for help. How does that translate in a child's mind? That translates to mom chooses other people over me. And that became my inner dialogue and my belief system because it was a consistent pattern that I was shown. Mom keeps taking phone calls. I guess that person is more important than me. I guess I'm not important, which also then equates to I am neglected. I am forgotten. I'm not important. I'm not good enough. You see where all those develop, okay? Obviously, you're, you might have had something similar. You might have pulled from my story and can relate. But a child will learn from that conditioning. We'll learn a negative belief about ourselves. We will also learn how to get our need met. So what I filtered as neglect, I then was like, well, my, I need help with my homework. So what I learned to do is pester her. I was always in her face. I became very attached because if I wasn't attached, it seemed like she went wherever whatever to whoever needed her in that moment because she lacked boundaries and so I ran and I would wave my body in front of her face and go you forgot me you forgot me you forgot me come help me and the only time that I actually got that attention that undivided attention was if I had a really strong need so what, what would I do? I'd play stupid or I'd play sick. My needs were immediately met. She's a nurse. <laughs> She's a nurse anesthetist. She sticks tubes down people's throats. So she knows how to meet that need. I'm stupid. That makes her feel really smart. Okay, well, if I'm just completely dumb, she'll, she'll fill that need in a second. And this is, this is all individual. Okay, like that's not every child is going to filter that situation that way because my brother and sister did not filter it the same way. I can't speak for them. So children whose needs aren't met, they develop patterns like this, right? We develop patterns of anxious attachment. We develop patterns where we're really needy. We fear somebody forgetting us. We fear if those core relationships growing up were inconsistent, unstable, conditional, dysfunctional, then yeah, you're going to have a fear and an anxiety when you start to enter into, let's say, closer relationships in your adult years, whether those are friendships or intimate relationships. Because here's the clincher. That child like me, right, whose needs weren't being met to the capacity I needed them to be met, had to, was conditioned, right? So when I say conditioned, what I'm also saying is I had to pay attention to what needs I needed to meet of my parent in order to get my needs met. That is an extremely unfair, unhealthy environment for a child to grow up in. I don't have actual percentages in front of me, but I'll tell you, probably 90% of the people I work with, that was their upbringing. That was their upbringing. You had to figure out, right? So that codependency, people-pleasing, all of that, anxious attachment, all of those things, 
enmeshment is coming from you had dysregulated, insecure adults and guardians who had grown up in probably very similar environments, but they never did any self-help on themselves. They never got out of their own way. They never changed those patterns. They never self-improved. They did whatever they were shown or taught, and they repeated it for you. And here you are now doing double duty, like myself, where you've got to meet their need and your own. So cut to now jump to the future when I enter into those unhealthy, abusive relationships, and what was I in? The same thing I grew up with. I was with people whose needs weren't met as children. Well, sure, neither were mine, right? And they play out differently. And so I'm standing in front of somebody who's like, you forgot me, and I know what it was like to be forgotten. So what does that trigger in my mind if I'm not self-aware in that moment? Oh, well, I don't want you to feel that way, so now let me meet your need, right? Let me meet your need. So I'll talk to you every day because I don't want you to feel forgotten, but I don't genuinely have anything to say to you every day. I'm just doing things to meet your need to keep the peace in this relationship. Is that an authentic, healthy relationship? No, it is not. Is that the majority of relationships in this world? For the most part, yeah. Hopefully a lot of you are listening and improving these things, though. Hopefully that gives you also a bigger picture of how this plays out because so many people will like read an Instagram post I put up and obviously that's missing context, which is why you hop over here and you listen or you work with me because you get you get context here, you get personalized guidance in a session, but they'll jump in the comments of those posts online and they'll be like, yeah, but like who cares what happened to them? It's just not right that they do it. And what you're failing to realize is that if they're in front of you and you're engaging in it, you're also participating in it to some degree. And therefore that pattern is also in you. You just might not be aware because it comes out differently. So to wrap this up from where I started, In those past relationships, I would meet their need by talking to them every day, and I was then convinced because of my own pain that I had not processed or made sense of, all I knew was I knew I felt like this growing up, and I don't want anyone to feel this way, so I won't do that to you. And in them saying that I was doing something wrong by not talking to them every day, It obviously convinced me I was doing something wrong and then leave those relationships, enter into new ones, and now I've got a belief that doesn't belong to me. I've got a belief that came from somebody else and that belief is, well, I guess it's wrong and bad if we don't talk every day. So so so-and-so is not talking to me every day. I guess that means they don't like me or they're not interested or they don't care or they've forgotten me. And you see how it gets twisted and manipulated? Because we start to take on other people's beliefs when we're not self-aware. And sometimes it takes having been out of those relationships to look back and process and really make sense of all of this. And no, not everybody does this. And it's a personal choice to to kind of self-reflect and process things and live through, through this lens that I talk about. But it's helpful. 
and it's healthy and it keeps you healthy. And, and I honestly just, I don't know another way to live. Nothing, when nothing makes sense and I can't make sense of it, I don't function well. So this is how I function. I reflect and I connect and then then I can look at things with clear eyes and a sound mind and make the healthiest choices for me. And that's it. That's all I've got for you guys today. Thank you for listening. I'll see you next week.